Hello, everyone. It's a new year. 2021 is in the books, and we have more premium content lined up for you in 22. And we're starting off setting the bar pretty high today. Welcome to Kingdom Speak with Pastor Daniel McKillop. It's a new year. Yeah. And it's the same bumper music. Yes. <laughs> Back by popular demand. If Bill thought mm-hmm. that us eating turkey and, mm-hmm. and throwing parties for the last two weeks was going to forget, cause us to forget. Oh, Bill. Still the same. Oh, Bill. We still get the same host, same co host. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's coming back at that you. And the suits still fit. The suits, yeah. they yeah. do. Yeah. Everything's, everything's good. You guys have a good time? Yes. Yeah, me too. Yes. Uh, man, I want to get out of the way because our guest today is going to just light it up. Oh, uh, yeah. However, we're still doing digital amens, and we have another digital amen to share with you. This is a five-star review from Apple Podcast in the U.S. It says, I love this podcast. I really appreciate the godly content I find here. Every time I listen, I grow as a person and as a Christian. The topics are relevant. I always feel encouraged in my walk with God. I love the way you connect with each other and how you bring even heavier topics to the table with grace and humor. Thank you so much. And that is from April. And we will say amen to that. April. Oh, yeah. Can I get an amen? Amen! Can I get a hallelujah? Hallelujah. April and January. Yeah. April and January. Exactly. <laughs> Read that one a bit early. <laughs> yeah. So for those of you that thought we were going to be a little more refined in the in, in this new year, here, here we are again. <laughs> here we are again. We can't change the recipe. No. Right. That's right. It's going to be a good year. That's right. It's good to be out of 21. Yeah. Didn't we say yeah. that about last year? We did. Okay. And we said 21 okay. was going to be better than 20. That's right. <clears throat> That's right. And in ways it was. Sure it was. But. So, although we're in a new year, we're in a special moment. Mm-hmm. This is uh, an honor today. We've said it many times. because We've made a lot of amazing connections through uh, our podcast. Mm-hmm. But this connection is not as a result of our podcast mm-hmm. but the guest that we have today is a man of god that has impacted my life mm-hmm. exponentially mm-hmm. has uh, impacted our church exponentially and the world really the church world in general has been a a voice that has just been a bastion for apostolic truth. So this is not an average moment. We are kicking off this year mm-hmm. um, in, in, in fine style. And we have with us today Elder Jonathan LVR. Oh, yeah. Amen. That's it. Put your hands together. That's it. You may be seated. You may be seated. (laughs) (laughs) Take your liberty, as they say, before they hand you the mic, right? (laughs) Yes. Elder, we are delighted to have you with us today. 
It's my honor to be with you, brother McKillop, and uh, want to say, first of all, that I really admire what you all are doing and have enjoyed previous podcasts, and they've been a blessing to, to my life and ministry, and so I feel honored to be asked to, to be a part in this very first podcast of 2022. Yes. The last two years have been extremely challenging in ways none of us could have envisioned. Wow. But we made it this far. That's right. Wow. Who knows what this year will unfold, but God's still on his throne and we're moving ahead. Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember um, just one light moment, and you and I have talked about this before, but um, if there is anybody, and I, it, it's doubtful that there is anybody listening that has not heard um, Elder LDR preach. If you haven't, just go to YouTube or mm -hmm. wherever and you'll find it. You will be blessed. You need, to, you need to look for the message. You can't improve on perfection. Um, I think, was that the title? Am I getting the title right? Yes. You yes. can't improve on perfection. That is a message for the ages about the church. But I was in a meeting with Elder Elviar, he knows where we're And we were, we were hearing another message mm -hmm. from another phenomenal preacher who we actually just had on the podcast a few weeks ago, Brother Nathaniel Urshan, and he was preaching on sometimes it's like the snow. Hmm. Uh, he may preach better in the future or as good. I don't know if he'll preach better. He may preach as good. That was just an incredible, and, and so I'm, I'm on the platform, and Elder LVR is sitting there, mm -hmm. and he's kind of just, you know, Brother Urson had preached past all of these sensible portions of the message to stop. Those <laughs> of us that preach, and when you know it's going good, you, you, you know, there's only so many exits that you can get out of this yeah. without crashing. Yeah. And he had preached beyond all of them. He was going higher and higher and yeah. higher. <laughs> and Brother Alviar was sitting there because he had to preach, I believe, the next night. Or... I think so, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he said something along the lines of, and, and I, he just shook his head, and I have to preach after this. Mm -hmm. And I looked at this great elder, and I said, this looks so good on you <laughs> because <laughs> we – have had to do this for all of the message that you have preached over the years. We've had to get up behind you and preach. So oh, no. this, this has, this, this looks pretty good. And guess what? He did it. You know it. He did. You it. know, he did it. So, um, elder, this is, this is, this is not just trying to pump your tires. I, I do sincerely. Thank God for you. We have a couple that are a little bit low, so it helps. <laughs> <laughs> are you running a spare? <laughs> uh, the spare is in doubt, too. So <laughs> I, I, I think I'm being sabotaged. I've got people putting nails where I park. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, with so if, if there's, um, th this is the beginning of a new year. Mm -hmm. And so, um, quite likely by the time some people listen to this episode, they'll already have failed on their New Year's resolutions. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
How do we look at a brand new year with with its potentials and its vices? Um, th- these are trying times. Mm. Well, I, I think consistency, of course, is the most is the is the most um, uh, effective way. What's working? We just keep we just keep running it yes. over and over. You know, God hasn't changed; His Word hasn't changed. Mm. Um, I do like what a uh, brother that preached for us here a few weeks ago, brother Carl Fowler from Brother Hood's Church. Don't know if you've ever heard him, but he's a tremendous oh. preacher. And uh, he was talking about the uh, disciples being on the boat. Uh, after the resurrection, Jesus was no longer with them physically as he had been before. And Peter said, I go fishing, you know, don't know what else to do. Just go back to what's familiar. And they were fishing and they had not caught anything. And in the early morning hours, you know, the story, Jesus is there and children, have you any meat? And they said, no, he said, cast your net on the right side of the boat. The statement he made was sometimes you just have to reposition the boat. Oh, you don't change the message. You don't change the net, but you just have to reposition the boat. Oh, wow. (laughs) Well, that's good. I, uh, I really like that. So, you know, sometimes we find ourselves toiling with, without, much result Mm. and uh, we don't change the message per se but sometimes we just have to reposition the boat and wow yeah wow so that that opens up uh i I was i've begun reading the book i I think the title's right canoeing the mountains um an excellent book just on leadership and one of the statements, one, one, there's, there's five points in the book that the author's driving home, but one of those points is uh, what happens when you have to follow someone off the map. Off the map. So, and the statement that he made is that, that your, the people you are leading will never trust you to follow you off the map if they don't trust you with the map. On the mm-hmm. so, uh, I, I think all of us, and we've already we've already made reference to this by the fact that we're at, at the beginning of a new year. The last two years has demanded that the church reposition the boat on on in in in, in a certain fashion or form, mm-hmm. without compromising, as as so right. ably said, the nets, <laughs> mm-hmm. the, those those fundamental aspects that never change. Mm-hmm. Right. How, how do we balance that as, as young men from, from the voice of an elder? How do we balance that? Well, it's very challenging. And I mean, even what we're doing here today is, is new, you know, yes. so yes. We're, we're all of us being pushed out of our comfort zone to some degree, which yes. this is a whole other subject. And I dare not get into it without causing more controversy than you can handle. This is another Elder, episode. Elder, we, we love controversy. It's good for the ratings. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's got me in a heap of trouble uh, over this past year. But my thoughts 
for instance, on the pandemic is that God could end it in a moment if he wanted to. Yes. And it is the first time, to my knowledge, I'm not that big of a historian, so I might be wrong on this, but it's the first time since the early days of the New Testament church that I can think of that the entire church worldwide is facing the same challenge at the same time. Wow. Wow. Now, there's been other pandemics sure, that, sure. that were more lethal than this one, but they were more localized, like the, the Black Plague in Europe, and there's been world wars that have affected a lot of people. But even in the world wars, there were entire continents that were not involved. Mm -hmm. South America was not involved sure. in either world war and other nations. But within two months' time, the entire world was facing this same challenge, Wow! which wow. means the church, right? Sure. We know that the church is the apple of his eye, and so if it is adversely affecting the church, certainly God could end it if he wanted yes. to. He's been known to start plagues and end them. <laughs> right. And, and so he could end this one. If he has not ended it, why? I think that is a good question that we need to ask and consider. And I think one of the, th one of the reasons why, and, and you know, you can, you can conclude however you uh, will on this, I think one of the reasons why he's pushing, he's pushing the church and the gospel out of our four walls in ways that was never done before. Absolutely. And so, you know, God's going to get his work done, even if, if he has to drag us kicking and screaming. So, well, and that, that brings us into, and, and this is a word that can be misunderstood, mm -hmm. but uh, it forces the church to adapt, adaptability. The boat. Yeah, exactly mm -hmm. right. Position the boat. Right. So, you know, some assume that by that, we mean that we're going to just throw the doors open and, uh, you know, go on television and this and yeah. that. Yeah, no, yeah. nobody's yeah. suggesting that. Right. But but especially from a missionary standpoint, and again, this is a whole other uh, topic, maybe for another day. But especially from a missionary standpoint, we here in America, and I don't, I'm not sure how it is in Canada, but you're probably a little more restricted there than we have sure. been here. Sure. Because of the liberal government that you have. Well, now we do too, except that we have a constitution and bill of rights that up until now has restrained them somewhat. Sure. But other countries in the world could care less about our constitution or our bill of rights. Exactly. So missionaries in other parts of the world are having to deal with constraints and challenges that are way beyond our our uh, imagination and they have to do what they have to do exactly. so we can say this is good this is bad that's not whatever but they're having to function the best way they can and and connect with their people so you know uh again that that i know that that's a controversial subject and there's a lot of pros and cons but as i look at it it just makes me think that 
if God could end, if God wanted to end it, he would end it. But if he hasn't, there's a reason why. Mm -hmm. Well, and we, we have seen, okay, how, how does this, how does this mesh with scriptures like that, that lead us into a more um, eschatological discussion, but mm-hmm. how could these things be except there be a falling away first, et cetera? Well, what, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. The true church, in, it, at least for us, and we felt the restrictions, but we have continued. God has graced us. And I, I hear this from numerous pastors. Mm-hmm. that the church is continuing to thrive. It, it is. And, and you know, but that's, that's a qualified statement, too, because I've heard from it both ways. Like, I've heard of churches that have had unprecedented revival during this time. Yes. And I've also heard uh, from pastors that have seen, as you put it, a major falling away. I think the pandemic has become, in many ways, a threshing floor. And it's threshing That's out it. the good wheat. Absolutely. You know? And Absolutely. and so again, God's going to get His work done. Hebrews said, "Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but heaven also." Meaning not just the earthly, but the heavenly. So who's behind this? We can blame it on the devil, but I think God is shaking things up. Yes. Absolutely. And so you know He's doing what He wants to do. And uh, uh, people that, and, and we know that there is a huge political quotient in this. Sure. We also know that this could be very much a dressing, a dress rehearsal for even more sinister things to come. I agree. Preparing the masses for compliance, et cetera, et cetera. And we know that that is being manipulated and controlled in a political sense. And then there's the part that's real, you know, and, and uh, we've, we've all known of uh, wonderful people that, that we knew that have lost their lives. Absolutely. That have succumbed. And so we can't say that it's all make-believe. It's real. There's people that are genuinely getting sick, people that are, and, but, you know, then, then there's all these new uh, variants that come out and they, they find a way to piggyback on them and, get their agenda across. So, uh, you know, there's a, we could discuss this in many, many different ways, but the, the bottom line is God's church is being directly impacted in many ways around the world. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think that God is using it in ways that we probably, you know, while we bellyache and complain and wish it was over and, and uh, scream and fuss and holler, uh, God's going to do what he wants to do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'd rather dance with him than, than, than against right. I think it's, I think it's at least beneficial for us as the church, instead of constantly chafing at, again, the political quotient and this and that, and, you know, whether this is necessary, that's necessary. If we would stop and say, God, what is our role in this, really? And what are you trying to do? And how can we fit into the plan? So I, I've got a follow up to that because um, I, I try to view these uh, these these moments as those that are that listen to our show and and this is an opportunity for them to to sit 
with an elder. So let me let me maybe verbalize on their behalf. How do I, as a young man, as a young, and I, I'm I'm quite okay with that label. <laughs> That's stretching it. <clears throat> yeah, I didn't yeah. ask you guys to chime in. That's pushing it. <laughs> okay, well, younger. How about that? Can you swallow that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so here I am. I, I wasn't prepared for this as as a pastor. You know, I'll, I've had elders pour into me, but pastoring through a pandemic was never part of a, my structured uh, upbringing for how, how do you how do you lead? So I as as this younger leader of the of the church that I'm privileged to pastor go through a lot of introspection of, do I have what it takes to lead a church through this? Well, I think we're all feeling that way because there's not a single, you know, here's the thing. There's not a single preacher anywhere in the world that has ever been through this before that's alive today. Right. So there's nobody we can consult with. Right. We're all navigating through, for us anyway, uncharted waters. Yes. And again, there's been worse pandemics. People have been through worse. <clears throat> you know, Spanish flu and other things where people would be sick in the morning and dead at night. Right. You know, rapid. Right. Uh, and, and so those, those, I'm sure, were very, very frightening. But none of those people are around to tell us how we should posture ourselves. And I think, I think, you know, in some ways maybe we're handling it well in other ways we're not. And there's been a lot of controversy. There's been a lot of infighting, fussing, even among the conservative apostolic movement. And um, it's unfortunate, I think, but I wish I had the answers, but in this regard, I don't, we're all just kind of feeling our way. Right. Right. And we all have to do what's best for our own situation, and we have to respect one another in that too. I think. Boy, that is the. Those are big words. That is. That <laughs> is. That I mean, is. Well, I, I really think that because it's all too easy, for instance, for us here in the states to say what the missionary should be doing. Yes, you know? this is a huge part of the discussion, Elder. Yeah. This is. And we have or, a big or someone in. A, yeah. Or someone in a rural area saying how someone in an urban center should be handling it. I, you know, everybody's facing their own challenges. And we had our unique circumstances here that I won't go into. And so we had to respond to it and, and take uh, positions that, uh, you know, were, were maybe different than others were willing to do. But uh, it's what it's what we have to do. Hmm. Absolutely. So we were talking um, just before we went into this recording, and you said that you had, um, I think to use your term, something that had been, you've been feeling the burn on. Yes. Uh, so we, we've obviously highlighted what is the, the, the one rallying element that, that everyone is facing. But this is by far not the only obstacle for the church. So um, I, 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 I'd like for you to talk a bit about, about that chosen generation that you had mentioned. Yeah. Um, um, I, thank you. I appreciate it. I, uh, 
you know, I, I wanted to refer to the scripture in First Peter chapter two, verse nine, a verse we've often quoted. And I want to extract the very first portion of it. The Bible said, but you are a chosen generation. So my question is, who is that speaking to? Mm. Who is that chosen generation? You know, there's nothing profound here, and I don't have anything profound to say today. But, but you know, let's just be let's just be honest about it. who is it talking to sure well i think it's talking to whoever's reading it uh, <laughs> you, yes you are you personally well you are a chosen generation and the word chosen of course means selected or by divine election yes we are a chosen generation. And, and the reason I think that's significant wow. is because I think we all tend to feel lesser than those that have come before us. You know, I look at my dad's generation. I look at uh, the, the pioneers that, you know, came before us and the trail that they blazed. And I don't know about you, but I feel woefully inadequate in comparison to them. And certainly those that have gone through very challenging times through previous centuries and, of course, the early New Testament saints, I feel lesser than all of them. I, I don't feel qualified to put myself in their category. Sure. But, but here's the underlying question. The Bible said, Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causes to approach mm. unto thee. So we've got to believe that we are here by his choice, by his divine selection. Yes. We had nothing to do with the timing. You know, like somebody said, I got here as quick as I could. <laughs> I, yep. I, can't, I can't help it that I wasn't here in previous generations, I'm, but I'm here now. Right. And I have, I have to live in the world that I'm living in right now that we've just been talking about. We're having to face what we're having to face. We didn't anticipate it. We didn't expect it. And we feel, as you enunciated, inadequate right. and, and ill-prepared. But this is our challenge. This is where we're at. And we've got to believe that we not just other generations prior to us, mm. but we are a chosen generation Yes, mm -hmm. for a real reason and a particular person, uh, uh, reason. Yes. So, you know, what's got me thinking a lot about this, uh, several things really, and, and you can interrupt and cut me off anytime you want, but, um, you know, there's never been a day like this. Not Take the pandemic out of it. There's never right. been a day like this. Everybody says everything's the same. It's always been, well, that might be true of human nature and, and those things, but we're living in a complex and fast paced society. Unlike anything this world has ever known. Right. And while we may admire previous generations and with good reason, if they were to be deposited in our world mm. without the conditioning, imagine, 
wow. that we've had wow. to have, they would absolutely not be able to function in this world. They would feel completely lost, and for a number of reasons. And I don't say that in a derogatory sure. way. It's just absolutely. a fact. Absolutely. And I, I remember talking to other elders who have passed on now, who were my mentors when I was a young preacher, hearing them say, and I won't mention names uh, because somebody might think it's disrespectful, but you know, I, I heard one elder who was very highly regarded by many of us say, I have pastored uh, three and now my fourth generation. And he said, I am now facing a generation I do not know how to handle. And he said, I'm glad that I'm getting ready to get out of here. Can I, can I just ask here, Elder, is that is that why I, 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 I've been intrigued by the, the statement that David made? He served his generation. Generation. So they were equipped to handle their generation. I'm not in all, at all suggesting we are superior in any way. Right. But we have been conditioned for this time. Uh, they were not. Absolutely. And so we're here. We've got to believe that if God is in charge of all this, we're here by divine selection and at the time and place that he chose. And so, you know, we're facing advances in technology in transportation and communication. Think about the changes that have happened in this oh. world in the last hundred years. Well, let's narrow it farther. Our lifetime. Well, no, let's, let's narrow it farther. How about the last five years? Yes. And, and imagine the next five years, the next 10 years. And so everything is moving so rapidly. Uh, and, and, you know, so this generation, and I'm, I'm speaking now from a spiritual standpoint too, has been much maligned and criticized, and there's a lot of good reasons for it. Sure, and I'm sure. going to admit that I have been a critic in some ways in the past too. And there's there's a lot to criticize. You know, we can talk about how that this generation, in comparison maybe to previous ones, is in some ways very shallow or very materialistic. Uh, and and that's true. And here in America, you know, especially in society, we're seeing, you know, that they've got to have their little safe spaces, or they tear down the statues of anybody that they feel like, you know, they couldn't agree with. And it's very shallow, very petty. Mm -hmm. And anything that's going on in the world all always is felt within the church to some degree. So we have to deal with those attitudes also within the church to, to some degree. And, and then when it comes to the church, we are seeing compromise on one hand. Yeah. And then we are seeing also the others that embrace, uh, shall I say, comfort, because they just want they don't want to get out of their comfort zone. They sure. just want to. They just want to function, come to church, have church, have a good time, go out to eat, go home, and not be too disturbed from that. Right. Which kind of leads them to the, you know, Laodicean mentality. Complacency. Rich and increase with goods, have need of nothing. So there's plenty of reason to criticize, to go, to go around. Mm -hmm. 
what really got me thinking on this recently, and I hope I can say this without sounding overly critical, but someone sent me a link to a message and I listened to it and it was a message with relation to Judges chapter 2 verses 8 through 10 where it speaks about you know, they, the, the children of Israel, they served the Lord all the days of Joshua, the, the elders that outlived Joshua. And then there arose another generation that knew not the Lord, nor the works that he had done. And uh, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. So without question, that's a horrible situation. And, you know, we do worry about the new generation knowing the Lord as they should. But, but the way it was presented was like, the, you know, they were evil because they had not walked through the Red Sea. They had uh, not seen the cloud. They had not seen the pillar of fire. They had not eaten of the manna. They had not drank from that rock that followed them. And all of these things and, and, and et cetera, et cetera. And I'm, I'm listening to this. And while I agreed on one level, and again, I don't want to just sound critical, but we're, you know, we're, we're, I, I got to thinking about it and I thought, wait a minute, is it their fault that they didn't walk through the Red Sea? Yeah. That wasn't a decision that they made. <laughs> Exactly. They were not born in that time. Right. They did not live in that time. They did not live through that experience. Is it necessary that every generation physically duplicate all of the challenges and right. experiences right. of the generations prior right. for them to have an adequate relationship with God? It would be impossible to take every new generation, put them back, back in through Egypt. That. Right. Bring right. them back out, lead them through the Red Sea, and all of those exact experiences. It would not be feasible or right. logical for that to happen. They had no control over when they were born. And right. so, yeah, they didn't walk through the Red Sea, and neither did any other generation. Right. Right. And we haven't. <laughs> right. We haven't, you know, not, not literally. Yeah. Uh, and they didn't see the pillar of fire. I'd like to see it myself, but I haven't seen it. Right. Or eaten from the manna, uh, and so on and so forth. So that part of it is not really fair because they lived in a different time. Right. Secondly, mm -hmm. if they did not know the Lord, whose fault was that? Oh, wow. Was it their fault? They didn't abandon the Lord. They didn't know the Lord. Wow. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa that's whoa, a Bible whoa. bomb. Stand whoa. by, stand by. Wow. So, you know, they did do evil. They did Man. evil because they didn't know the Lord. But whose fault was that? Was it wow. not the generation prior to theirs oh. that did not carry the message on and inform them? And so can they really be be faulted in the way we'd like to because they weren't informed. You know, I pastored in an area uh, for a number of years that was surrounded by many uh, 
different oneness apostolic churches of every type and description, from the somewhat conservative to the ultra-liberal. We'd go out to eat in the restaurants, and they would come in, you know, and uh, they looked bad. A lot of them looked really bad. And and then you'd see the the parents, and the parents still had a semblance of an older, old-time apostolic look, and the young people were complete opposite of that. And And so you could see the two generations there, but if the younger didn't have it, uh, whose fault was that? Right. Was it not the generation prior or the pastors that were not preaching it the way they needed to? Because, you know, there's people, there's always going to be people that are not going to comply and obey. But for the most part, there's going to be people that will embrace, that will obey if they're taught, right. Right. if they're preached to. You know that. All right. So that's the second point. The, the, the third point is, how good did that generation do that saw all those things? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, were they the hallmark of excellence for us to follow? Not so much, no. <laughs> the Bible calls them a stiff-necked, well, and uncircumcised people. You know, the, God said, they proved me, they saw my works 40 years. Yeah. Mm. Until he swore in his wrath. Yes. They will not enter into Their own leader didn't even get to make it in. So, exactly. So, (laughs) even those that saw it and experienced it, you know, they didn't benefit from it either. Right. Because, as the Bible tells us, the word preached was not mixed with faith, Mm -hmm. and they did not enter in because of their unbelief. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. But to assume that that generation, just because they saw these mighty works, had a higher level of walk with God, wow, is is inaccurate. So the bottom line is, it doesn't matter what generation you're in, mm. because you look at it, that generation, they died in the wilderness, right? They were overthrown, right? right. And everybody twenty years and up perished. All right, so then here they come to the promised land. It's the other generation that's grown up. Then you have Reuben and Gad, and they want to stay on the other side exactly. of Jordan. And Moses has to say to them, you are risen up in your father's stead, an, uh, an increase of sinful men. Yeah. <laughs> so that second generation, they're no better than the first one. Right. All right. Well, what about Joshua's generation? Joshua, certainly a great man, they, and they went in, they conquered the land, but even in his generation, produced an Achan. Mm-hmm. Yes. In rebellion, yes. In disobedience. And so what I'm trying to say, I suppose, is that, you know, there is some truth to, to this generational thing. You know, you have the first, the second, the third, whatever, and I understand that there can be a, a, a degrading and et cetera, but it's not as though any of those generations were perfect. And, and, and even now, okay, even now, let's go back two or three generations. Are you telling me that there was never any compromise? Yeah, exactly. That there was never any deviation into false right. doctrine, right? That there was never, they all had it. So, I'm not sure that this generational labels is helpful. 
What is significant is that every generation produces its own giants and people that rise to the occasion and do the work, you know. I mean, even though there arose another generation that knew not the Lord, guess who hadn't lived yet? Gideon? Right. Samuel? Right. David? You know, go on through the pages of the Old Testament. All of those great figures had not even uh, come on the scene yet. Yes. And so that didn't mean that the work of God stopped. Somebody picked it up. Somebody went on with it. Somebody lived it. And so what we're going to see in our day, let's accept it. There's going to be compromise. Sure. There's going to be people that are going to ride this bandwagon and go completely off in left field and do a lot of things that, that is going to be displeasing to God. But in the middle of it, in the middle of it, there's people who are a chosen generation that God has put his hand on and that are going to do the work of God, answer the call of God, live the life, be true to the message, you know, and it's not helpful to just constantly uh, give a bad rap to the new generation because we may not understand it. You know, it's easy. I'm, I don't consider myself an old man, although Mm. I, I guess I will admit that this month, I finally qualify for Medicare in America. So that says something, right? (laughs) We won't repeat what it says. I'm officially a senior citizen now, but I don't see myself in that category. And yet I know that others probably do. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of the newer music I don't like as much as I like some of the older songs. But that's me. That's what's familiar to me. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of newer songs that I do like, right? And some of them will not last more than a couple, two or three years, and others will endure. The songs that will endure are those that are going to have a message that connects with Absolutely. people. And soon, someday, they'll be called the old songs, right. you know. Mm-hmm. And so, every generation finds things about the new generation that's uncomfortable and and difficult for us to process. But at the same time, it's too easy to, to just give them a bad rap and slap them down when they are just having to function in the time that God has placed them in, you know. Uh, Absolutely. You know, coming, coming from this, you and I being, if we want to use the term generations, coming from two different generations. So you're speaking to this issue from one I'm looking at it and receiving and hearing from another. So it, it really is incumbent up upon both of us. You're saying, and, and, and I so appreciate that coming from, from an elder, not to just look at it critically. It's easy also, as you've, as you've just said, for us to glamorize the past. Elijah done that when he looked back and said, man, I'm, I'm no better than my father's just... What do you mean you're no better than your father's? I don't ever read of his father calling fire down from heaven, mm-hmm. of his father single-handedly being responsible for the execution of 450 prophets. Of I, I don't remember Elijah's dad doing that. What do you mean right. you're not greater than your father? Right. But, but that put such a shadow over Elijah that he wanted to throw the towel in. 
Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, even in the case of Moses and a Eli- and uh Eli- excuse me, Joshua. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there were those that wanted to compare them. And there was none other like Moses. Right. God said, mm-hmm. is there any other man like him that I have spoken to face to face? Right. And yet Joshua was promoted and anointed by God's design. And while God had done much through Moses, you know, he'd never marched around a city and seen the walls fall down like Joshua would. He had never spoken to the sun and the moon and made them stand still like Joshua would. (laughs) And so other generations rose to their challenge and they were used in their own specific and individual way. And I'm going to tell you, Brother McKillop, as I travel across the country, I am seeing younger people, young pastors, young preachers that just, they amaze me. They amaze me with their grasp, with their sincerity, with their depth, with their consecration. I am one of a handful of survivors of two larger youth groups that I was a part of when I was a young man because of our life's changes. I was in two different settings. Many of them did not make it. I'm one of the few uh, survivors of that time. Mm. I go around today and I even sometimes have been asked to preach at these youth meetings. I see an abundance of commitment, consecration, sincerity, love for the things of God, the likes of which I don't remember seeing when I was a young person. And Mm. now that's not, that doesn't mean that they aren't without their problems. I understand that the encroachment of technology and all these things are creating a host of problems and challenges and difficulties that pastors are having to deal with. And, and there's going to be a ton of casualties, but I'm encouraged by what I see. Yes. And, and I'm going to go ahead and say it, younger pastors like yourself, maybe not young, but younger, yeah, I receive but even, it. even younger on a, on a more youthful level that I've preached for and been around, you know, and, and we can talk about, about uh, the, you know, people letting go and compromise at the same time. I've seen young men come up in liberal environments that because of their consecration, their walk with God or messages that they heard made a change toward, right. you know, try, trying to be honest and, and serving God in a good. So again, God is going to have his church and he's going to have his people and he's going to have a chosen generation, people in every generation that have been selected and elected by God. Mm-hmm. I, I'm let me access another part of my life here, if I can, sure, quickly. Sure. Uh, you know that I grew up on the mission field. And you've heard the story of how my father was introduced to the truth and so on. And so, uh, you know, I was f- uh, close to five years old when my father was baptized in Jesus' name. And it brought about monumental changes in our life. And uh he, there was a lot of opposition. They tried to evict him from the country. 
whole big story there I won't go into right now. But I grew up in an environment uh, and under challenges and difficulties, the likes of which my sons have never known. Sure. How can I duplicate that for them, Brother McKillop? Are they going to have to live through the exact same circumstances for for them to have the same walk with God or relationship or depth of God that I have? You know, that's not even possible, and it's not even feasible. Yeah, you know, some some have a very linear uh, path in in their trajectory. You know, they grow up in a in a strong, stable apostolic setting, and and they develop from there, and that's their path. And others like mine have zigzagged, you know, quite a bit over the years. And then I lived uh, three years with uh, Elder Howard Davis in California between the ages of 12 and 15, just a young boy away from my family, thousands of miles away, couldn't hear their voices. They didn't have a telephone. There's no way to communicate with them. Uh, It was an extremely difficult and challenging time for me. And that added to my walk with God in a way that nothing else could. And when my boys reached that age, I, th- I thought, could I do that? Could I? And there's no way. There's no way that I could make that decision. And so does that mean that their wow. relationship wow. with God is going to always be somehow inadequate to mine or inferior or insufficient? That is so good. Or does God have a path for them too? Right. So, you know, I received the Holy Ghost when I was seven years old in an all-night prayer meeting in Brazil, 2.30 in the morning. And, and at any time that I need to shut this off, oh, please let me know. No, sir, this is good. Uh, and and so, uh, interestingly, all three of my sons received the Holy Ghost when they were seven years old, you know. And wow. there's a story behind each one of those two. And then now my my oldest grandson, Jonathan, my namesake, uh, he he's 11 years old. He he received the Holy Ghost when he was seven. Mm. And and I, I watch him during the church services, mm. weeping, mm. rejoicing, worshiping, shouting yeah. in, in response to preaching. I see the hand of God on his life. You know, he's memorized whole chapters of the Bible. He's got a tenderness and a sensitivity that that I that I find amazing and remarkable. Mm. And and you know, other people admire. My second grandson Judah received the Holy Ghost last year in one of our Zoom church services when we were oh. locked down. Started feeling the presence of God at home. Mm-hmm. My daughter-in-law would make them get dressed for church. Sure, absolutely. So they were home. They would be dressed for church. They would approach it. And so, again, you know, somebody might have an issue with that, but he started feeling the presence of God while I was singing a song, sitting right where I am right now with my harp, just trying to lead the the people in a song. (laughs) Nobody in front of me, don't know who's listening, who's not listening. 
he begins to feel the presence of God, starts weeping, crying, and prays through the Holy Ghost. Oh God. And and my in my third one, he's only five years old. <laughs> I asked him recently, I said, So Levi, what do you think? Papa, that's what they call me, should preach Sunday. He paused a moment and he said, Preach about the devil and how we should not listen to him, but we should listen to Jesus. Five years old, okay? I, I know I'm just bragging on my grandkids here. Oh, sir. But, he, but he, he sat my sister down, too, who was living with us for a while, and he said, let's have a conversation. And she said, well, what do you want to talk about? And he said, well, the Bible would be a good place to start. <laughs> Five years old. What, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, that God is has already reached two generations past. Oh yes, and He's touching my grandsons, you know, and God is raising up a generation, a chosen and, generation, and a chosen generation, yeah. elect, selected, and the the word chosen there also means anointed and appointed. Mm. So God has anointed each generation and appointed them for a specific task. Yeah. I look at men like yourself, I admire what you're doing and others around the country and the initiatives that they've taken under very challenging times. And I see the work of God is being done. It's too easy to sit over here on the sideline and say, yeah, but if they had known the good old days, well, wow. we then live in the good old days. Right. This is the days we live in right. and we're having to function and perform under these times. And that's what I really feel passionate about. I think we've got opportunity now like never before. And mm -hmm. God is raising up people that are capable, that are qualified, that are educated, that have some good sense about them, and they are going to do a work for God that is unparalleled by other generations. God is not leaving his church with, with an inadequate bunch at the closing days of time. Oh, wow. Would, would we not, Elder, this is so, so powerful, would we not be stunting, stunting the, the progress of the kingdom if we required every generation to kill the same giants? Absolutely. I, I really, as a father, and I'm not at the, at the point in my life that you're at, but as a father, I, I want to be able to conquer things in my life that my son never has to conquer. So if, if I'm looking at what is between me to use the Moses and Joshua comparison between my dad and myself, if, if it's a river between me and the purpose of God, then God parting a river is just as significant as him parting a Red Sea. Right. Because that's not all they did. They went forth and conquered that land. Right. Mm -hmm. so, so the point... It, you know, to tag in on what you just said, you want to, you want to kill the giants so that your son won't have to. But the truth of that matter is, brother McKillop, your son, if the Lord tarries, is going to face bigger challenges than even you or I. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, so, Jesus so. Himself said, "Greater works than these shall you do." Hmm. Not meaning that we would be superior to Him but because the circumstances and the conditions 
that the disciples and then succeeding generations would face would require yes. an even yes. greater display and manifestation of the work of God. So while I continue to see myself inferior to my father and preceding generations, you know, we're dealing with things that they, they would be very perplexed with. And our children are going to deal with even more. Wow. So instead of putting them down, I want to encourage them. I want to uh, say, you know, uh, continue forth, lead, lead on, because I, I believe that God has great things in store for the church yet. I believe that. And as, as we're looking at, at 2022, you have, you have done, I mean, we started talking about the peril of, of what we've faced, but you have brought it around so beautifully that there's opportunity that is tucked away in the midst of this for the church. Yes. Well, I don't want to miss, I don't want to miss those moments. I preached for a young man just recently who became pastor when his grandfather passed away. He's in his thirties and he feels woefully inadequate. And yet I look at him and I am in admiration of his grasp, mm. his depth, his maturity. And I, I wonder sometimes, where did these young pastors come from? And the truth of the matter is God's been raising them up the oh, whole time, God. cultivating them, preparing them. Wow. And so again, who knows what challenges this year and coming years will bring, and even in the closing phase of my ministry, but I'm encouraged by what I see in the church. I'm hearing, you know, I know there's a lot of fluff out there, and and we've got we've got to continue to sound the warning, sure, you know, sure, and it's important sure. for voices in my age group and older to continue to sound the alarm and to make sure that things stay pointed in the right direction. But look, I'm here and preaching like I've never heard before. You know, you mentioned Brother Urshan and, and others. I am just in awe of these ministries that God has raised up yourself too, though you wouldn't uh, probably uh, categorize yourself that way. But but I am. And, and building churches and doing things that, that many of us could only dream of doing. And so... Uh, I say more power to you, and by that I mean the power of God, and and I'm not di discouraged or depressed oh, about God. what I'm seeing in the church. I'm encouraged, yes, and I'm filled with anticipation and excitement, even what God is going to do in my church, in our church here, or in my son's ministry going forward. I'm, I just know that, that God Absolutely. has been cultivating and preparing them for for service under challenging times the likes of which none of us ever could imagine wow well let me speak on behalf of our listeners and and our younger generation these are truths that we need to hear but coming from a voice such as yours um, is an extra an extra boost um, to what we need to get to get moving in the kingdom of god in 22. Thank you so much for being with us today, Elder. It's my privilege. I Again, nothing profound, but I hope that it's at least uh, an encouragement to somebody. 
You are a chosen generation. No matter what the devil tells you or tries to knock you down or how you disqualify yourself, I'm telling you on the on the strength and on the anointing and uh, empowerment of the Word of God, you have been divinely chosen and selected, anointed, appointed, and equipped mm. for this period of time. God. And Elder, why don't you pray for our our listeners today. Would you close out with prayer? I just feel the presence of the Lord here today. Yes, sir. Lord Jesus, we come to you again today asking that somehow these feeble and simple words would resonate with hearts across the scope of Pentecost and those that would listen to them. Young, Younger men, perhaps, who the enemy is beating up and making them feel like they don't have what it takes, and we don't within ourselves, but we know that you would never put a, a person in the field, no matter what their field of labor is, whether it's a support role in the church or whether it's at the leadership in the ministry, you would never put anybody in any place or position without empowering them and equipping them as you have in the past. The God of Moses, the God of Joshua, the God of uh, Elijah and Elisha and all these other great men is our God too. Oh yes. And while they may have felt inadequate and we see where they felt inadequate at the time and yet you use them. I believe God that you're using this generation now and the new generation coming up. There's going to be young men and young women, God that are not going to listen to the voices of the world. They're not going to follow the trends of compromise and liberalism, but they're going to stay the true path. I pray that you will anoint them and empower them like never before. Use them in a great and mighty way in the kingdom. Bless again, Brother McKillop, and this effort that he's making, these podcasts. Let them continue to be a blessing to all the hearers throughout this year in Jesus' name. 